Ready Check Radio. What's up, Internet? Welcome to Snowbound, Ready Check Radio's Blizzard podcast. It's Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. That means it's time for the show. I'm your host, Mike Byrne, a.k.a. Magic Man, and welcome once again to our entire chat panel watching it live, twitch.tv slash readycheckradio. If you're listening on Spotify or watching on YouTube, head on over to that website right at the bottom of the screen there. That's readycheckradio.com, R-A-I-D-E-O. Com. Social panels in the upper right. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, all that fun stuff. We appreciate the subs and the follows and the notifications. Tell your friends and come on by for either one of our shows live or any one of our streamers. Now, we do cover all Blizzard news here, but last week was predominantly Overwatch. Overwatch dominated the show last week. Uh, this week... World of Warcraft, I'm just warning you, is going to dominate a lot of the show. Uh, and Ian has a Costas video uh, interview and uh, a lot of Torghast stuff that we're seeing in official PTRs. Like, we've been staying away from data mine stuff for the most part, but in official PTR patch notes. We're seeing a lot of stuff changing, so we're going to run, run through it and then talk about Preach Gaming's interview with Ian. Oh, yeah, and some financials. You know, they kind of did well. Joining me to do all of that today, Mr. Dom Greco, a.k.a. Zisto. What's up, sir? What 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 you doing on your phone there? Um, uh, I'm I'm just checking to see if I have Diablo Immortal yet. Uh, oh. Which, which I don't. You don't. Unfortunate. No. You don't. So, how's it going? Quill boring me to death. Five <laughs> battleground matches with Quill bores before the podcast. How'd that go? Did you... Did it went, you... uh... Went well, there... I, I like them. I mean, we'll talk about them more when we get there, but uh seem very easy, easy to build. Yeah, yeah, quill bores in the game. And we'll get there. We'll get there. Because there's something else I do want everybody's opinion on, especially since you've played Hearthstone and, and other CCGs or TCGs for a while. And we'll, we'll see everybody's opinion on it when we get there. Also on the line, the cat is gone, so maybe she's okay. She's right here. Angela Mercurio, a.k.a. Indy. How are you, Indy? Hi, I'm doing awesome. Oh, I'm not yeah, being there, mauled by a cat, but there she's is a like cat literally... Head. Yeah. I'm trying not to encourage it because she would literally sit on my head if if I allowed it. Yeah, you're like being stalked. Like you have a tiger yes. in the room. <laughs> yes, I'm used to it. It's all good. You, you literally have a tiger in the room trying to keep you company. Uh, let, well, let's start uh, today. We're going to jump to financials first, actually, since those just broke today. Uh, really, I mean, we're not going to spend too much time on them. We're just mentioning them here so that you don't comment on YouTube that, you know, we forgot. So we didn't forget. They made a shit ton of money in Q1. <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a virtual ass ton. I mean, if you want to be specific, boatloads... I think would apply to there's a lot of terms that would apply. They actually made 2.28 billion in net revenues with a GAAP operating margin of 35%. Now that was on a outlook for Q1 of just a little over 2 billion. So they crushed it by like 260 million dollars. Uh Zista 
they absolutely just destroyed it. And they've that now is had not to change a small number. Yeah, not a small number. And they've had to change their outlook, obviously, for the year now. Shareholders love that. Love that when you uh change the outlook for the year and go ahead and bump that number up a few billion. Just tackle on a few billion indie. This also on news of Bobby Kotick taking a pay cut, getting a lot of favorable headlines reading 50% pay cut, 50% pay cut, 50% pay cut. And while that is mathematically true and the result of a year of the board of directors saying that they were reaching out to shareholders and comparing notes and getting feedback and everything, he has in fact received a salary cut from 1.75 million to eight, a paltry 875,000 uh, per year. But he's still eligible for bonuses that can reach up to 200% of that base salary. So there you go. Indy calling it, pointing it out right there. Yes, favorable headlines, but he's fine. He's He'll be fine. <laughs> he, Don't worry about it. He's not going to be making any less. Yeah, right. Like, officially on paper, salary-wise, he makes less. Uh, it's like the magician. You think the bird disappears, but really it's just hidden behind something else. Like, he's still making that money. It's just under the guise of another form of dispensing it. I'll tell you what, though. He could definitely benefit from those headlines right now, Zista. He kind of <laughs> needed them, right? I mean, he's been yep. the one that's been under the gun for salary and up to $200 million in uh, in bonuses being paid out. He didn't get that much, but reportedly that's how much he could have earned in those scenarios. And then on top of laying all these people off, oh, and by the way, we made another $2.28 billion in one quarter, smashing our forecast and forcing us to adjust for the year. So maybe we're going to hire some people, they said. We're going to hire approximately 2,000 developers in the next two years. We literally talked last week, Zista, about it potentially being hard to bring talent, creative talent, hungry talent into a company that, look, it just happened five months ago and then nine months before that and 12 months before that when you're making record profits. It kind of gets a dicey proposition to go work there. Right. Yeah, I mean, hopefully some of the, the people that were laid off get first dibs on, on those positions. Would you go back, though, Indy? Like, oh, I, you're I, asking me. Right? It's I've blizzard, been laid off like... from a job, and I know that if they called me back, my immediate answer would be, be you know, go pound salt. You yeah. Know, I'm, <laughs> See, I, no matter I, how much I liked it. It's Blizzard, so like I would probably allow that. I I would be the Blizzard doormat. <laughs> I would, uh, but no. I mean, I mean, any other, any other, like if it was under any other circumstances, no. Uh, but interestingly, I was playing some Overwatch a couple nights ago with some Overwatch enthusiasts that play it regularly, and they had some different opinions about Kaplan's exit than we did. Okay. Uh, whereas we read, you know, the correspondence and the Reddit threads and everything, and, and it seemed kind of like he was leaving with a warm heart. They felt that he left a little bit on a cold note and that there was probably something that sparked it. Well, yeah. And so, we kind of alluded to we didn't know. 
Like, yes. was this a go be with family scenario? Was this a, I don't want to be here and I want to go start, you know, go. I, I think it was Zista. You pointed out, look, you got Mike Morheim doing his own thing. Metzen doing his own thing. What if Kaplan's going to go with one of them and go do their right. own thing? So, yeah. yeah, we kind of alluded to that, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Indy. You're absolutely right. I just wouldn't be surprised if six months from now, in some interview, you know, Jeff's like, yeah, they set my office on fire and I didn't want to be there anymore. You know, like just <laughs> something. And now you're getting mauled by the kitty. Now oh, my God. It's so vicious. Mm-hmm. Massively OP taking a little bit of a different tact with their headline uh, on on the whole Blizzard financial Zista saying, yes, you know, Q1 record, big money. But if you look underneath, again, another topic we've discussed here on the show, if you look underneath, uh, the MOP uh, headlines read um, that Blizzard's lost about almost 29% of its overall active player base in three years. Uh, now, where they're getting that number is they're comparing the monthly average users, the monthly active users uh, for each quarter, because that is reported in this financials. Now, uh, is this just World of Warcraft, or is this over all their IPs? No, this is Blizzard. This is monthly active users across all titles. Uh, so so not this could be just, like StarCraft yeah. or something that's not generating a lot of revenue. Right. This is just the active users. We're not even looking at dollars right now. This is just, if I bought Overwatch today and I played it today, for May, I would be a monthly active user. And if I didn't Mm -hmm. play it next month, I wouldn't count in that metric. Correct. So that's the way this number works. Not to be confused with a particular game gaining players by people buying it uh, or creating new accounts. They're getting this number comparing Q1 of 2018 at 38 million to Q1 of 2021 at 27 million and a reduction of 11 million. Again, that kind of jives with things we've already talked about on different shows Mm -hmm. here where, yes, you're making more money, but you're making it off a smaller audience and Zista, that can only continue for so long. Yeah. Yeah, and um, we don't know exactly like where they're losing these people from like you know like i say it could be from from starcraft where starcraft hasn't been updated in quite a bit of time you know so player base could be dropping off there part of that could even be you know people are going back to work now you know they're not all stuck at home and people don't have enough time to keep playing you know we don't know all the numbers sure i'm sure a good part of it is the people that are hardcore World of Warcraft players that are upset that we're stuck in a content drought and have just stopped playing. But that just because they have stopped playing doesn't mean they don't still have an active sub either. So those numbers are, can be a little misleading. They can definitely be a little misleading, Indy, and you can make stats do whatever you want uh, a lot of the time <laughs> to prove whatever point you want. But it is a concern. I mean, when you look at... Mm-hmm the engagement because that's more what this metric is is designed for is our our opportunities to potentially make revenue the more players mm-hmm. we have playing the more we have an opportunity to sell them something what is their engagement with our product you don't want to lose a third of that engagement number over the course of 3 years indeed that can be, that, that's a staggering number mm-hmm. um and then you offset it with this huge revenue, and it's just like, yeah, no wonder your 
uh, average spend per user is higher than it was X years ago because it would have to be to support this type of number. So it is yeah. one that ebbs and flows. It is a number that ebbs and flows, but you definitely don't want to see it down. A pretty, uh, pretty jaded headline on, on Bree's part over it massively. I love Bree to death. I love Bree to death. They're doing fine. They're doing fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's talk about 9.1. We're getting a lot of Torghast changes, and we knew a lot of this was coming. Yeah. Uh, we still don't know all details about things, and we've kind of avoided data mined information on the show, but now we're actually seeing patch notes for the PTR uh, of 9.1 and some of these Torghast changes. So here's the question. We're going to go through this and see if Mike will actually be interested in Torghast some more <laughs> come, come 9.1. So looking at the patch notes, some of the biggies right off the bat, Zista, we've got changes to the actual number of floors. Instead of six, yep. going down to five. Uh, pretty big change. Going to increase the speed at which you can go through already. But perhaps a bigger change is kind of the overall focus of what you actually do in Torghast. Right now, it's a chore. Make sure you don't die. Chorghast. Yeah, it's Chorghast. Make sure you don't die uh, a bunch of times and, and beat the counter, you know, and die too many times that you can't complete it. As long as you don't, with the nerfs, that really hasn't been a problem for most players anymore. So it's it's more of a chore. Now it's almost going to an entirely different experience with some of these changes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this was where you talk about some of those changes so that it's not just me well, talking the, the entire time. <laughs> no, I, I know. <laughs> we are so good at this. We are so yeah, good at are. this podcast. We, we may have done this once or twice before. <laughs> yeah. So, no, but uh, the, the, the Terra Grew, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, the big guy that chases you when yeah, you have the dead like, count. Oh, God. I like that they kind of tied this into like a little bit of a, a lore based thing. It's like, yeah, we're going to be fighting him in the raid. So with uh, players potentially going in there and defeating him, he he's no longer in Torghast to chase you down. And like, so they tied it in in a lore kind of way. And I like that. I like that. I think removing the, uh, the, the death counter is probably for the best because, uh, that gets stressful, especially when you're doing the uh, the Mount Run one. You Kale. know, like the yeah. Mike, has everything changed, Dom? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Absolutely. Yes. It's all changed. Yes. Lovely party. Peach guy wasn't invited. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the death counter is no longer a thing, Indy. But Zista might actually not like Torghast as much as he does now because. With the removal of the death counter, we kind of have a shift in focus now, Indy, to achieving the highest score possible mm -hmm. on a zero through or a one through five stars or gems or whatever they end up being meter. How you do in Torghast determines your ranking. And not only does, you know, beating things and exploring the whole thing, uh, breaking pots, killing bosses, which, by the way, don't regenerate health if you happen to die. So that makes the, you literally could just grind your face through Torghast if you needed to at this point. Even if all your gear was broken. Even if all yeah. your gear is broken and you kill the vendor, 
Uh, <laughs> you could just face roll the damn thing. I don't know what you're talking about. But I also mean, speed comes into this, Indy. Yeah. Well, I don't ever go alone. Like, I always pal up with one or two other people, and we usually blaze through. Even before these nerfs, we, we never had issues. Maybe a couple of bosses gave us issues before, um, but... Just, just the way seeing the way it is now, like Dom said, I I appreciate them kind of wrapping the story into some of the changes and saying why this boss isn't going to be there because you're going to have to fight him in a raid. But I think they're just trying to spit shine something to give us something to get back into to distract us from the content drought. You know what I mean, like. Yeah. I, I'm not going to like Torghast any more or any less. This changes nothing for me personally. And none of this comes until 9.1 anyway, so the drought is True. over uh, uh, at that point. And we're, we're going to get to Preach get Mike's uh, uh, interview over at Preach Gaming with Ian Hezacostas in a minute, where they do talk about this specific question. And it is nice to hear Ian talk about like almost a lessons learned approach with Torghast and how Torghast, you know was maybe a little too punishing to begin with um not as a difficult on a on a difficulty scale they they meant for it to be kind of challenging but mm -hmm. in the very binary is the way ian describes it you either beat the boss and get the reward or you death out and you don't get any reward and you've wasted all that time so the nerfs came in to kind of placate that for a little while but now it's just a chore. You don't go in and See, you don't expect right. to lose now when you go in. Yeah, I don't like, I, I guess I maybe I don't like that because death counters for me as a healer, as a priest, I like death counters. They motivate and inspire me to not die and not let people die. Um, but I will say this, the changes that they're implementing do give a different spin on Torghast. Like, yes, they're nerfs, but it's changing the way that we actually do it. You're you're being scored versus just making it without losing all your lives. Um, so I can appreciate that. It's going to be well, changed in a way that, you know, but it does serve, it, it does more serve the players who didn't want to do it before because of whatever reason, couldn't survive. Yeah, I, I'm. If it's anything like the um, the previous uh, Overwatch event that we had, Overwatch Archives, um, with the the weekly challenges to unlock skins and stuff, um, that they did something new with this particular one. Instead of just getting your nine wins, you would go in and you had to earn stars. It was basically a scoring system. It's, so I, I think it's going to be very similar to how that ran, where you go in on a, a difficulty to the mission, the story mission. Um, you go through based on your performance is how many stars you get. Um, there were bonuses where if you did a certain one of the events, you might get double stars or something like that. Um, but it was based on like um, how well you were doing in damage. If you were uh, getting headshots a lot, if you were killing all the enemies in an area, if you died, you were reduced uh, points to, you know, that tallied up. So dying is still going to matter. It's still going to be yes. affecting your score. Um, so I, I think it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, definitely something different than what it currently is, and I think that's what's needed is something different. Because if it keeps going the, the entire way that Torghast has been to the end of the expansion, no one's going to run it anymore. It's and they are changing the some things up too. There is a currency we're now going to be acquiring tower knowledge. You know, and we can go and spend that. 
uh, to, to get different perks and blessings for when we do go in. So, you know, little modifiers that'll boost our strength, maybe offset some torments that are coming, you know, starting at layer four. Those can be applied to make things a little more challenging. And these are all like one per week things. So we've got another currency. Thank God. I mean, which I was so sad that we only had 40. Um, now, I'm, now we have 41 currency, so I'm feeling good about that. But uh, this will be used in, in there as well. Play efficiently to become anima empowered, earning bonus score for how long you were empowered during your run and a bonus to your movement speed and haste. So Zista, let's go with you first. This does provide a benefit to the speed runner. Yeah. When it comes to scoring at the end of your run. Something yeah. you don't like outside of Warcraft and really don't like inside of Warcraft. No, I mean certain things, uh like if I'm if I'm soloing a dungeon, for example, I'm gonna want to do that as fast and efficiently as possible. I want to get in, get out. But if it's stuff where like I have five other people and it has to be coordinated and you, you have the timer that's under pressure, all that stuff, sure. But a system like this where um there's no actual number and there's no like pressure and you can do it at your speed you're not like i could go in there and just do it myself right and then if i fail that's on me i don't get frustrated because our tank is sitting there tanking shades in mythic plus when the shades just die like you don't need to tank them like that that drove me insane like i lost a, a run because the tank decided to tank the shades <laughs> stuff like that drives me insane and that's why i don't like the timer because i have no control over it when when it's just me, that's fine. But um, Indy, are you going to be recording like your yeah. solo speed runs? Look at me, I'm a mythic no. Torghast runner. No, <laughs> no, I never really go alone. Like I, as a disc priest, I could, but I'm not going to be speedy. We don't like put out tons of DPS. But you know, like I don't know. For me, Torghast is not something that I I need anymore. So it's it's not really affecting me as much as maybe other players who are waiting for these changes. Um, I've already finished. Well, I mean, presumably you're going to need to go back in there for additional legendary stuff, right? We're getting the new legendary mm -hmm. currency, Soul Cinders. True. Uh, you know, as well. Those are available from Torghast layers 9 through 12. So even those of us that, you know, did it once for their main, get their legendary, get the hell out of here we're going to have to go back uh, yep. for, for the next round of legendary upgrades. And honestly, I was a little apprehensive about this too. I was like, great, you know, because I don't like doing this alone, but uh, turning it into a speed runs, like I hate when we go into a dungeon and, you know, it's with strangers and it's just the, the tank runs off and pulls 17 things before even oh, yeah. saying, hey, healer, are you okay with big pulls? Uh, I didn't want this turning into that. When we get to the interview, though, some of the things Ian said made me go, okay, all right. I, I'm willing to now give this one a whirl and see what happens, particularly but, when it came to speed running. But, Mike, you're you're a druid. You can yeah. stealth through the entire yeah, floor the entire and thing. go fight the boss. Yep, yep, absolutely, there, 100%. There's your speed run. Yep, speed run, <laughs> speed run. <laughs> druid show uh, solo, 37 seconds. Great job, Mike. <laughs> Great job. Great job. And if Zista was still a rogue, he could stealth through too. You no, could. not happening. He could. 
I'll buy invisibility potions before I go back to being a rogue. <laughs> All right, well, we've teased it enough, so let's kind of segue into the discussion. Uh, uh, Mike at Preach Gaming got to sit down with Ian Hazacostas for a little over an hour. Highly suggest, highly suggest that you go listen to this interview. Uh, Whether you're a fan of Mike's and and Preach Gaming or Ian and Blizzard, like, doesn't matter. If you're a World of Warcraft fan, go sit and listen to this. You don't even need to watch it. Just put it on podcast style while you're doing something else. Uh, because gonna be honest, uh, Mike didn't pull any punches. <laughs> Mike did not no. pull any punches in some. Not of, even a little bit. Not even a little bit in some of the questions, uh, and some of his facial reactions. If you do watch it, were priceless. Priceless. They were absolutely phenomenal. And now he's getting a bunch of shit for single-handedly killing anti-magic zone. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. Go go watch it. It's definitely definitely well worth your time. Uh, and Ian did a fair amount of you know duck dodge dip dive and dodging a little bit there, but for the most part, did at least attempt t- to tackle most of the questions in a meaningful way. First question, Indy, of course, was the gap between nine zero and hmm. nine point one, and even Ian was like, "Yeah, not exactly what we wanted." <laughs> Yeah. I don't think you can get too upset about it, though, because given what the current setting is, like maybe if we didn't have a pandemic right now, uh, I would be a little bit angrier. Am I happy about it? No, I'm bored. I don't like grinding out anima and doing world quests over and over again and doing the same mythic dungeons over and over again for what? Just like it is boring right now, but given the state of things like i don't expect them to pump out patches the same at the same rate as they would during normal circumstances here's so, the, the only thing that I'm i am a little and, more forgiving yeah i'm not um <laughs> i'm not uh, Kay, uh, kayla, kayla says this in chat uh you can't blame covid for it when they've been set up for this since last fall when Zista and I, we did that two-person episode where we kind of went in-depth on the days in between things and, and stuff like that, created the nice visual, yeah. which you can find on our Twitter uh, and everything. You know, I talked about, if you look at development timing, and I don't have any inside knowledge, but when COVID hit, we were just months away from the expansion launching. So all the core work for the expansion would have been done and now it's polish and QA and finishing up some you know smaller aspects of the expansion Bugs and the and, beginning yeah. development of 9.1. Then COVID hits. So 9.1, while most companies, I don't think you can blame COVID at this point when they're saying, hey, this is going to be delayed. I think Blizzard here has a little bit more of a claim to it because 9.1 is what would have been primarily impacted with the heavy yeah. beginning portions of COVID. And Ian does say as much in the interview. He he literally comes out and says, like the first this thing is they the said, first yeah. thing we've basically done fully from home. And that jives yeah. with what I would de- believe the development cycle to have been like, Indy. And I respect... Like, while I don't respect the layoffs, I respect any company that under the current circumstances allows their employees and or sets up their employees to work from home because that's placing the value of human life above the dollar. Um, 
So I respect that. And like, you guys do have a point as well as like, it's not completely responsible for what the delay is. Um, I guess I just don't like to look at the negative because I am a Blizzard fangirl and I don't like to um, say, you know, oh, hey, maybe layoffs have something to do with this. Maybe all of the, you know, the uh, the changes in staff with Blizzard have something to do with it. Who knows? Like the dynamics changed. Uh, we all want 9.1. I want it more than anybody. Yeah, because I'm such want... a fangirl. We all you also have to think. I give them I a little Fox bit of a pass, but me. you know, I picked. But you also have to think too. Like, like at the start of the pandemic, you didn't. We didn't know how long this was going to last, right? So they could have gone a month or two and been like, "We're just going to kind of wait it out." And then, as they realized a month or two, I don't know. I have no insider information. I'm just speculating, but I'm saying, like, after that amount of time, and you're just saying, "Oh, like, you know, um, we're not going to be getting back to work anytime soon." Now we have to develop tools. And create all this stuff because Blizzard's very uh, conscientious about their privacy and stuff like that. Um, they ha they have to develop, you know, firewalls and and um, what what's the uh, the VPN? VPN. Oh, yeah, VPN. You have to they have to develop a VPN that'll allow them to get into their system stuff, but lock other uh, uh, you know other things out so they can't like video record and you know have, have stuff like that screen capture off their computer. This is all stuff that they didn't have to do before. They have to build these systems from scratch. All this on top of like know, during the man. development time for 9.1. I yeah. get it. I totally understand it. it. This is unprecedented. So I I kind of feel for it. Yeah, it's a little long. It's a little excessive, and you know we're all frustrated and aggravated that there's no new content. But after wow. this, if this continues on going <laughs> into 9.2, I can't stick up for them anymore. But 9.1, I understand. It's I'm like, kind of like, break, Mike. I'm no, I can't. I'm kind of with Kayla and chat on this one, and I've <laughs> said as much on these shows. You get a little bit of a pass with me because working in software engineering, I understand development life cycles and what you were probably doing when COVID first hit. But we're still, we're still like a month and a half away from getting this. I still don't think this is coming out any earlier than the end of June and in, uh, into the middle of July, and that's. I think being generous, uh, I think there is a real possibility it slips into August. Uh, I hope not. And to me, that, I mean, we're already past, before it even hit the PTR, we're already setting a record. Now, on this topic, though, Ian did want to caution Indy and say, hey, this is not going to be like Warlords of Draenor, where we're one and done tier-wise and then off to the next expansion. This is a delay this is not a reduction in expansion size, which I think was important for him to say out loud publicly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. There's there's so much more left in Shadowlands, like story wise. Come on, like there's no reason to that. I hope Warlords was not my favorite. I, I won't lie, <laughs> Mist and Warlords not my favorite. I am so invested in the story here with this expansion. I would be devastated if anything were cut short. Or just kind of capped off, leaving so many loose ends. So, also uh, working on a way to kind of reduce the pain point for legendaries. You know, maybe you have the helm, but in nine point one, the raid tier set makes you want to get boots or gloves instead, and now you got to change all this stuff. And while Ian didn't say anything about it, we did see today on Wowhead. There was data mining for packaged soul ash. 
an item that will let you transfer soul ash from one of your characters to another. So if you're mm. packaging up 6,000 soul ash to send it to an alt, they can immediately buy their highest tier legendary. Or if you want to make these types of changes on your main after 9.1 drops, you can farm up Soul Ash on your alts or they have it laying around and send it to your main. Again, sprinkle some salt on this, data mined. Uh, so it's always work in progress stuff. But I think that could be Zista what Ian was kind of alluding to in we're not going to be giving refunds, but we are looking at pain points for changing legendaries once you've delved into the 9.1 content. And that just helps alt-friendly uh, players as well, because now, in, like, think of how long it took you to build up a legendary on one character. Now imagine you have one of every class, right? And you're one of those hardcore people that just go in and do everything that you can. You know, grinding all that out. Can you imagine, Mike, doing Torghast on every single class <laughs> in a week? You know, like, I, I know how exciting that sounds to you, but there's people out there that'll do it. <laughs> and... They'll get their legendary uh, maxed out in like a week or two per class. You know, like it, it's kind of insane. If looks could kill. Zista, you said a lot of stuff there. I don't ever care to hear again. Um, no, <laughs> I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that. Yeah, they're chat. Yes, they are looking to hire. We we said that at the top of the show. They're They're looking to hire. Ooh, pick uh, me. Yeah, right. Uh, what what next? Oh, conduit energy. Now, this really hasn't been much of a pain point for me, so I, I'm going to defer to probably Indy on this one because I think you probably have a, a little a little bit of a gripe with conduit energy and the way it refills and how long it takes to refill and swapping for this and swapping for that. Somebody much more higher tier than than us. Obviously, this could be a very big problem. Switching conduits for particular boss fights to min-max the shit out of things and running into conduit energy. Ian kind of talks about that was not the intent of this. It was not really meant to be a second skill tree. Uh, and so they have some work to do here. Indy, uh, you, you <laughs> just waved your hand. Yeah, I have some complaints. <laughs> One thing that I do, so when I first started arranging my conduits as a priest, I, I maintain two active specs. You guys know I never really go shadow, so that doesn't really concern me. But as disc and holy, um, I'm constantly, you know, choosing my spec based on the encounter, based on whatever mythic I might be running. So I did like that you can have different conduits spec. Like you can have a different conduit set up for spec and it will automatically change for you, which is good. But what I never liked was the, um, for instance, for, for rating, I would want to choose different conduits versus for mythic healing. And it wasn't so much from encounter to encounter. If I truly wanted to min-max, I'm sure I could have swapped conduits depending on the encounter. But um, even just between raiding and mythic, which I love both of, it was always such a hassle. Like, who wants to deal with that? Who wants to do that? On the flip side, so, Zista, Ian said they didn't want to create a system where there was really just one ultimately superior viable option. And so instead of a bunch of swapping, you have just, you know, every tank druid has this. Every, right. you know, uh, Dark Knight has, or um, Death Knight has... Uh, 
Demon Hunter has this. Sorry, Long Final game. Fantasy on the brain. Uh, <laughs> every Demon Hunter has this. They didn't, and they said they haven't really found the balance yet because if they skewed more towards that system, then you're creating something that maybe isn't in your play style and the way you like playing your character simply because it's the most viable and you'll get shit if you don't have the most viable on with particular groups. So they're going to be making changes. He really wouldn't like he really wouldn't delve into some of the changes. Did say yeah. that like swapping a new alts or swapping covenants would have the conduit energy refilled uh so that you wouldn't have to wait for that energy to refill, but he really wouldn't go into changes. I just don't know what how do you change it uh and find that middle balance. I feel like this is one of those systems this where you piss somebody off no matter what way you go. Yeah. I mean, what's frustrating, too, about the conduit system is, like, so you have, in, in especially in our raid group, you have, like, we have a bunch of druids that, like, they'll heal. And then if they got to go DPS, then they're like, hold on, I got to go hearth back and swap my conduits so I can heal better or DPS better or, you know, whatever. That, that's really frustrating. Like, they, they should have things that are just kind of, like, built up to, like, swap with your set, you know, like, whatever your role is. Instead, I don't know. It's just, like... That that's that was the part about the conduit system that was always frustrating to me. But I always felt like little things like for me, I'm a DPS class, right? So things like a, a good system for for what I would come up with to do something is like, okay, so I have like one conduit to fill out. Make it something where it's like either you do a little bit more damage or you shorten your cooldown. And those are the kind of choices that you should make. Do you want to do more damage? Do you want to do it more frequently? Little things like that would be engaging enough where maybe it changes the fight how it is. Because like right now, based on the conduits, I have mine all set up for AoE stuff. Because I do some Mythic Pluses and I do uh, the raid. And you look at the raid, there's maybe, what, four fights in the entire raid that are single target fights. You have Sludge Fist. You have uh, Hungering Devourer. Artificer and Shriekwing, right? Those are the only four. Everything else is is AOE at some point. I'm not going to go in for four fights that are spread out across the dungeon and swap to a single target spec. I don't even want to swap out my legendaries to do a single target spec on those fights when it's just clicking one button in the the UI for gear. I don't even want to do that, you know. Like so, I just have everything set up for AOE. That's 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 how I do it. I'm sorry, I love it. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Shriek Wang. Uh, <laughs> that is the name of my shaman, by the way. I did go ahead and roll that. <laughs> I have a healer shaman named Shriek Wang. Uh, yeah, he's uh, level 48. I don't know if he'll ever get to 60, but he's the name is taken. The name is yeah. taken, and that's the only thing about it. Start it. Shriek Wang. Uh, Torghast, uh, now a lot of this section, if you're watching the interview itself, a lot of this section goes through some of the, the changes we already talked about. Uh, so we won't belabor those points. We were using the PTR notes for those rather than Ian reiterating them in that conversation. So this section of the, the, uh, interview Mike did, you might be able to skip a little bit of it, but he does make two points here that quelled some concerns of mine and I think will quell some concerns of yours Zista. We already talked about how he said, you know, it went from being a very binary decision to now, you know, indeed nobody's going to lose. You don't expect to lose. So it's just another thing you do today. 
uh, when you log into WoW and maybe you don't feel like doing it, but you just do it for, for Soul Ash or for whatever you need and how they want to change that and find a better middle ground for it being engaging content and challenging and rewarding, but not as binary. Uh, but with a whole scoring system and speed runs and things like that, Zista, to your concern, Ian says this does not turn it into a speed run challenge. Four out of five stars or gems is what you need to actually unlock the next layer when you're progressing and actually opening up those new layers, right? Nine through 12. But Ian says you can get five stars. They could, that can be achieved through a speed run if you want, or just making sure that you have full exploration and efficiency. They specifically don't want to turn this into nothing but speed run challenges for max re rewards, but they do want to reward people that are speed running this thing if they want to go ahead and do it that way. Does that assuage a couple of your, your concerns? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, speed running is all right if it's on my terms, but like I don't enjoy speed running if, if we all went into Torghast <laughs> together. I don't want to speed run it, you know? Like I'd rather rather take my time, go through. Little aspects of things like can we skip this group? Yeah, like that that kind of speed running, if you want to consider that speed running, that's great. You know, like that that what was that ability we went in, Mike? Uh, I think it was me and you went in. It was like the uh, the shades or something. We got to become the shades when we were doing Torghast. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were able to teleport like straight up on the staircase. I think it was you mm -hmm. that I did that with, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like that kind of speed running, that's good. I like those kind of strats. But when, when timer's under pressure, I don't want to deal with that. We will not, Indy, be getting gear drops in Torghast. Womp, oh, well. Womp, womp. <laughs> good uh, thing I'm set. <laughs> yeah. And again, I kind of see the rationale here. Ian says that the Torghast is meant to complement gear, you know, through creation of the legendary piece. They don't really want it to be competing with other sets, whether that be the mythic sets or the raiding sets or the PvP sets. It would just be another set to have to make sure was ultimately balanced as close as you can get it so that you know everybody didn't shift out of mythic and just beat the hell out of Torghast because that was the best set so i th i can kind of see that that one makes sense just just like retool Torghast to make it all mythic plus dungeon runs or everybody just, will love that i love mythic plus but if they did something to more incentivize it like for people who say don't need it for legendary purposes like why not put some new pets in there or some cosmetic stuff or trivial stuff but still fun like twisting corridors was really fun to grind because every uh every little milestone you got something you know what i mean something unique what did i say twisting corridors was fun and you just like it blew your mind i i, I don't even understand can you repeat that I, i'm not sure i understand like, I hear the twisting, words. Yes, the twisting corridors of Torghast were pleasurable. I mean, I mean, I, I hear the words coming out of your mouth. Like, yes. and I know they're words, but I'm just... I mean, I teamed up with my two pals, and we stacked these powers... Burning We toast. stacked these powers so cleverly that it was just face roll for us. I do think they are missing a huge opportunity with a bunch of cosmetic bullshit. You know, just yeah, like give us something yeah. trivial. Whatever. <sighs> it's not fun. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I like the whole um, aspect of you don't know what anima powers you're gonna get. You know, when you go in there, 
Right. And, and now you can farm up the currency, get some blessings and alter things, you know, even more. And, you know, that's interesting to me. I am yeah. once again intrigued. Like, I feel like I'm just going to, I'm getting the old rope-a-dope again, Zista. Like, prior <laughs> to the expansion launch, I was like, Torghast is something that sounds interesting to me. I like that, you know, dungeon-esque, repetitive, being able to do it multiple times and having a reason to do it. Played it, was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. <laughs> now I feel like I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe you got me again. Maybe you got me again, Blizz. Let's see what Only happens once. in 9.1. on you. Three days after 9.1. <laughs> I know I'm going to tweet it out. This fucking sucks. <laughs> well, would do you do you want endless tour guess? No. I do. I know you do. That, mm. That's something I would actually I participate in. I think that was in. very smart of them yes. to take that out of the beta testing. Uh, as oh, a result of beta been, testing. I didn't get to try that in beta, but that would have been fun. Yeah. Um, now, I want it. There was a weird little moment in this interview where I don't know if I almost get the impression Ian said something that Ian didn't actually mean to say and then kind of had to play it off like he meant to say it. And yeah, was he had just, to double down on it. And yeah, he had to kind of double down on it. Uh, <laughs> apparently, class sets are coming back. And the way this was worded was Ian says, not in this adventure, but in our in our next one. So not in 9.1, but possibly 9.2. Or he could flat out mean not in this current Shadowlands adventure, but the next adventure, a.k.a. the next expansion. So there, there really is no answer on that one, whether the, our current adventure meant 9.1 or this expansion as a whole. But was a little intriguing that he said class sets were coming back, Indy. Then he went off and started trying to talk about something else, like gear balancing and things like that, where the question actually started from Mike. Mike, to his credit, immediately was like, well, I can't leave this alone. <laughs> you said class sets are coming Yeah, class-specific sets are the best. <laughs> And look at me. It's all I wear. I wear yeah, my priest like, tier point five. He's like, you, you know, uh, what, what do you mean by, by class set? He goes, you know, like a warrior set and a rogue set, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Ian's you like, know? yeah, you know, like when a rogue, and he's like, do you mean like bonuses and stuff like that? And, and he's like, and Ian says, well, presumably, you know, that would be bonuses are part of class sets. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What they were yeah. actually talking about, by the way, was shards of domination, which was a currency that was data mined in, in 9.1. So Mike asked Ian about it uh, because apparently in the data mining stuff, it was shown that it could give bonuses to raid gear. And so the question was, does this now, you know, is PVP going to get something like that? Is Mythic going to get something like that? Or is everybody going to want to leave Mythics and go do raids because of the gear for these bonuses? And Ian was just kind of like, hey, you know, that's all still work in progress stuff. We don't really talk about data mine stuff because we may or may not use it. But if we if we end up going that route, think of it as like little bonuses that would really not impact you outside of the raid very much, if at all. Uh, but in the raid could give you perks and make you stronger inside the raid. So specific to that. And that's where class sets come up. So I want to know. I am all for class sets. I know people that hate class sets. 
But Why? I, I don't know. I don't know. Screw them. I love them. And you don't pay my sub. So <laughs> I am all about class sets. I like, I remember farming the tier three class set on my very first Warlock and just have such nostalgic memories. Ooh. Uh, yeah, th- I love class I almost, sets. I almost kind of wish they went back and gave Demon Hunters and, and Death Knights and, you know, all classes that didn't have class sets back in, in relevant, you know, when the content was relevant, like Molten Core and, and stuff. Like, go back and, uh, that would be so much work, but go back and do it. Because, like, little known fact, I don't know if everybody knows this, but when new classes get added to the game uh, in Nefarian, like that encounter, they make class calls for all of the, the classes. There's a Death Knight <gasps> one. There's a Demon Hunter one. Like, Demon Hunter, like... it goes blind like everybody goes blind you can't see anything like he makes class calls out for that so like i always was like can we go back and give like tier sets for demon hunters demon hunter has never had a tier set because they haven't existed since the demon hunter was added into the game so question for you kind of exciting for me yeah my question for you is if they did go back and give demon hunters tier one tier two like from molten core and blackwing lair Mm -hmm. would you actually wear that gear because it wouldn't I would hope that they would stay true to the time and make those armor sets a little bit more simplistic like yeah. they were for the class other classes that had them. I would like them to make it like time period appropriate. Would you yeah, actually no, wear I, those? I agree with you on that. Um, it depends. It depends on what it would look like. It's hard for me to say, yes, I would without seeing a finished design, but, you know, potentially if they looked good. That's such a good idea. Hmm. So all three of us are in favor of class sets returning, bonuses oh, yeah. and all? Yes. Yes. Even though, you know, granted it does kind of limit a custom or a, uh, you know, customizability as far as your stat drops and stuff like that. Because once you start talking bonuses for two pieces, three pieces, five pieces, whatever, that really becomes the best in slot. You go for it. Yeah. yeah. I always liked the juggling of like, okay, so I have, you know, my, my four piece bonus. And then we have the, uh, the next tier that's coming out and it's time to start swapping gear and you're like oh i can't upgrade the gloves yet because i i can't i i have them i'm holding them but my four piece is better than a three bonus that breaks it up but then when you get that second piece and it's like ooh, my two piece here is better than my four piece for the last one and then you still have the two piece carryover from the other one so you get two different two piece sets there's a lot of like min maxing strategy behind it all that i really miss i love that yes. kind of stuff Indy, yeah, your biggest 100%. gripe, I'm sure, with them doesn't matter anymore back in the day because now we have transmog. So even if you don't like the way the full set looks, you don't have to Listen, deal with it. Let me tell you. Can I tell you? I transmogged before transmog was a thing. <laughs> I carried, I literally had bag space reserved for benediction and all eight pieces of the virtuous, uh, the vestments of the virtuous. And whenever I was in a major city and whenever I was in a major city I would swap my gear to the way that my priest looks as long as I wasn't the only time it didn't work was when I was actually fighting or healing so she's the transmog queen she's like I I had my transmog before it was transmog (laughs) I still found a way I didn't shout in looking for in trade chat until I was all dressed no my rogue used to look like somebody puked up a bag of skittles Oh, my warlock looked horrible back in the day. And then you get the set and you're like, okay, great. 
then you run Kara or you run something else and you get the two pieces. You're like, God, I really want to change. But then look at me. I look homeless if I do. It's the beauty of the times. It's such a beautiful thing. I look like a times. homeless warlock. Uh, Ian says that. they are happy with the covenant system, by the way. They're... Um, their goal of night fade dominance uh, has panned out, and uh, all the fairies taking over the world, it absolutely worked. No, uh, they're little concerned about that, but they do feel that covenants as an expression of like Shadowlands itself is exactly what they intended. They're enjoying, you know, everybody chiming in and identifying with their own different covenant. Uh, but they also acknowledge he also acknowledged that this type of four-way choice was pretty much a Shadowlands thing. And while pieces of what they learn might be used going forward, it's not likely that in new expansions we'll have this same type of four-way diverging story that then comes back and and reunites with all four of the the covenants working together. So uh, I was just like, is is Rathalich King really the last time we had class sets? Uh, no. No, Mist had some, didn't it? And wasn't there, in Legion, wasn't there the reskins? Well, the... did the I don't think Legion had bonuses on them, though. I'm talking about actual class sets. The oh, only class sets I remember about, from Mist okay. of Pandaria were the challenge mode rewards that, like, you got, and they were just transmogable pieces. Um, I don't... But I, I don't know. I'm looking, and in, in, from what I see, and I could be completely wrong here, but it looks like... Trial of the Crusader was the last time we had. Uh, uh, I've uh, seen tier, tier fifteen set. dropped in Throne of Thunder. Did it? You were a rogue back then. I was. You might not remember because you might not have any. Yeah, I think I thought Mists was the end of class sets, and I'm looking at uh, on on the WoW Wiki tier fifteen was dropped um, from Throne of Thunder. Yeah, gotcha. the tokens. Okay. So yeah, that would be what five, five two, five three, whatever it was. So that would be missed. Um, yeah. On the topic of covenants, though, and th I thought this is a brilliant question by Mike, by the way, uh, talking about borrowed power abilities, right? Because we had the legendary and legion, and we have the covenant abilities here, and you know that never really feels good when you move on to the next expansion and that powerful ability or item is gone and Ian's talking about, you know, it isn't sustainable to just keep giving people these things uh, and let them keep them. So yeah. yeah, it's just not sustainable. Looking forward, they want to find a middle ground where you come back from an adventure and expansion. Um, and since now you don't have whatever you had while you were there, they still want you to feel like you're a better mage on the back half of the expansion, which I thought was a really important distinction, Indy, because it does feel bad. Like, I remember going into the next expansion after uh, Legion and, oh, shit, my legendary doesn't mean anything anymore. Or yeah. in this expansion, wondering when I got my Covenant abilities, well, what happens when Shadowlands over? Am I still going to be able to, to step like this? Am I still going to have... Probably not, but then am I... Aren't I just weaker than I was in this expansion? So they they are trying to find a middle ground here. I better not lose my door of shadows. Right? Riot. Mm. Love my door of shadows. Yeah, but that always it always felt weird coming out of like the last couple expansions where, you know, you get all these crazy powers and then it's like they they go away and you're like, "All right, um 
that doesn't feel good. You know, like I, I loved I loved the end of last expansion, and I know like it's a lot of people disagree, but like getting all that Twilight Devastation gear and just going in and just dominating content, that was so much fun. And I knew it was only temporary, you know, it was like it's just go nuts, go nuts. And it was kind of like the end of the expansion thing where it's okay to be broken, you know, because there's there's nothing coming. You knew it was being reset. It's okay. But at the same time, not getting new abilities that carry on, like, you know, like everybody was was so excited for, for Shadowlands here. You know, we, we're, we're de-pruning. We're getting some of our old abilities back. Well, you know, as a demon hunter, what, what does that mean for me? I didn't lose any abilities. I'm, I'm not get, getting wrong. anything back. You know, so... <laughs> We didn't. We didn't get a lot of new fun stuff to play with. Indy got him. She got him. <laughs> you have chosen poorly. <laughs> uh, in the you interest know what? of God, I liken it to the feeling of you'll know because you do this all the time. You go into Torghast, you get all these great anima powers. You feel like all you like you can defeat the world, and then you step out of that door, and they all go away. That's, what that's why like. I was convinced. I was convinced going into this expansion that Torghast was going to be the last raid and Anima powers were going to get out of control, kind of the way Twilight Devastation, all those, you know, uh, corrupted abilities were going to be. And then they're <laughs> like, no, Torghast is the second raid. I'm like, what? Like, I was, I was blown away by that. I didn't expect that at all. Mike, the mic's for your mouth. All right. In the interest of time, we're gonna skip the the last few here. Uh, you know, they did talk about alts and you know making that a little bit easier because it's mixed feelings right now. Indie, they're specifically looking at your disc priest and holy paladin as far as healers that have a opportunity to DPS in a way above average fashion compared to other healers. So they still want to look at that. It's not all uh, optimal right now for disc priests and holy pally. Right. AOE cap we kind of thought was was you know going to be discussed, really nothing happening. World Quest 2.0, they know it's not satisfying for those that don't want to farm anima, so they're looking at variety and new steps. Nothing like mage tower in the works right now though. <laughs> uh, the one thing I do want to say is they got into a little Mike and Ian did get into it a little bit on the topic of power inflation. Um, Ian just flat out disagreed with the premise of the question. He just go ahead, Zista. I was gonna say he also he also like backpedaled on it, and he's like, I don't have the stats in front of me. Yeah, you know, so he's like he's trying to like come across as like I know it all, but at the same time, maybe you guys actually know something I don't because I'm not looking at anything. Yeah, I, I mean, so. the question was talking about like incremental the the item level swing causing massive power inflation and. Ian chalked it up initially saying that I, you know, I disagree with the premise of the question. The uh, most of the difference is skill level. It's, it's all skill level. And he said, you know, Hey, one item level is still roughly 1% in performance improvement. That's the same as Lich King. And actually the gap has decreased from a, a 15 point spread in previous expansions to 13 in the current expansion. So if anything, the power inflation gap has gotten smaller. Uh, so it must all be skill. Uh, and then, yeah, Mike challenged that one, and and Ian. Well, you know, we'll we'll look at the stats. We'll look at the stats. Definitely, uh, I thought the interview was fantastic. Kudos to Mike at at Preach Gaming, and kudos to Ian and Devil Lore for you know helping set everything up in the background. Uh, just fantastic stuff. 
I get the feeling Ian went there, Indy, because he only wanted to answer these questions once. Let me just <laughs> answer them once and get them done with. But kudos yeah. to, to everybody, including Ian. Absolutely. Uh, before we wrap up today, I told you it was going to be mostly World of Warcraft today because we had the tour guest and a lot of stuff in that great interview. Uh, but we do have some other things for you. I'm going to give you a quick hit here. One from Hearthstone, one from Overwatch, one from Diablo. So it's still a Blizzard podcast, right? We got it. We covered it. Uh, and I know both of you have, have some stuff to say on Hearthstone because we did get Quillbore's Battlegrounds. And I'm more interested in that in a second piece of this. But since Zista, you started with your Quillbore's achievement, I'll let you speak to it a little bit before we go. Yeah, the uh, so the battlegrounds uh, adding the new minion type in there. They've had to previously like you'd go in and then and one of the tribes like well, when first came out, it's like one of the tribes is is cut out. And pirates got added. Now elementals got added, and they're like, okay, now two tribes are cut out. So now quillbores get added. Three tribes are out every single game now. Um, while quillbores are here at the start, quillbores are in every single game. So um, there's just there's a. I've, I've played them. I've tried to build nothing but Quillbores. Like, why would I try to build pirates or murlocs or something right now when that doesn't make sense? I want to try the new, you know, the new stuff. So, all the games that I've played, uh, I've finished in the top four, which is what is considered a win. Um, I finished first, I think, in two or three of them. Um, if not, I had like second. I think one or two of them, I got fourth. Um, I did get knocked out entirely in like maybe two or three. Um, but they're a lot of fun. These new blood gems have a lot of synergy. The Quillbores, I think, are the most synergistic minion type in Battlegrounds. Um, they're really easy to build. They're a lot of fun to play. There's a lot of in-depth strategy that you could do with them that you can't do with other classes. It To me, it's completely changed the Battlegrounds. It's made it fun, interesting again. Um, I, I also played a little bit today. Some of you guys know Kiggles played with him kiggles was just up in arms furious because they're too synergistic and he was playing things that weren't them he was struggling he was having a hard time um just try to build the quillboards right now they'll probably get tuned a little bit but they're they're it's a lot of fun indy they also introduced battle ready decks yeah so these are pre-made complete competitive decks for a mere 20 dollars a piece uh, they get a permanent space in your collection, and they're, quote, handcrafted using data captured across hundreds of thousands of play sessions to ensure you're taking home a combat-worthy list. I don't know how Magic I feel about this. Like, I have some of the old Magic the Gathering ones still. Yeah. Like, the World Championship decks from, like, back in the late 90s and stuff like that. I still have them back there uh, on the shelf, though. So, so I bought a couple of those then, uh, yeah. Right now, you can only buy one, which I think is smart, but it is, it, it's Blizzard, right? They're going to open it up to buying as many as you want, which... Absolutely, yeah. I see no problem with it. I personally wouldn't because I like, the pre I like to construct my own deck. The only time I did it with Magic the Gathering, I literally bought it as like a, as like a base because it had some of the cards I needed in it, um, and I would alter it like I would never take that pre-constructed deck and play with it as is but some players like this is a look it's $20 a piece it's support it's 
you know, good for Blizzard, and it's probably good for players who don't want the hassle of constructing their own deck. Yeah, Even and I don't it's, think it's, it's easier a to sell. I think that's too. half the fun. It's easier yeah, to I sell. Think... Like if I, Zista, give me twenty bucks, and I'm gonna give you something you can just jump in competitive wise with right now and be moderately competitive. Uh, yeah. After you learn the ropes and the play lines and all that, of course. But uh, mm -hmm. here, give me twenty bucks, or you want to get everything to go ahead and build what you think might be competitive, go ahead and buy a shit ton of packs. Like one is infinitely easier and easier to sell. And I'm sure it does sell better because it's easier to sell. Um, but it does take that creative stifle away. I think the only reason that they might leave this limited to one is simply because if you could buy them all Zista, there is a drastic incentive not to buy packs to build competitively different decks anymore uh, if you just have all these pre-constructed and you're able to buy all of them. So maybe they leave it capped at one, but money-wise, I'm sure it's easier to sell and they'd love to uncap it off of one. Yeah. I mean, they they look interesting. I've looked at them earlier. Um, they, they come with a lot of legendaries and stuff. So like, you're, you're not just getting garbage cards, you're getting stuff that you can use potentially in other decks. Getting so like the the mage deck that I'm looking at here, you have uh, one, two, three. You have four mage legendaries and then two neutral legendaries that you could use in other decks. Um, and then you get a, a lot of just regular decent cards. Uh, nice nice mix of stuff. It, it's it's definitely worth it. Um, some I, I see right here. Some classes have more legendaries than others. Um, one only has four where the mages had Kayla saying magic still sells competition decks now too yeah I, I would yeah. assume that they do I haven't bought them in, yeah. in years I keep one modern deck up to date in magic that's it Final Fantasy trading card game is all me I mean just look at the background yeah. and the streams and the competitive playing and yeah that's all. But one I don't of the see other... a problem with these, though, but it might be a little bit of a downfall because if you're using these decks and your opponent happens to know exactly what's in them then they can kind of predict, yeah. I think, yeah. against you. One but of the that's other the nature of playing meta, a, a meta deck anyway, though. Something like when, when I'm playing Final Fantasy, as soon as I see Wind hit the board, I automatically have an idea of the three or four cards that could give my deck problems. Somebody that has that experience, you know, after they mm -hmm. see a few opening plays, they generally have an idea of what your deck is probably doing. So I don't think it's that much of a detriment than somebody playing on meta or near meta anyway. Yeah, one of the other little updates that kind of snuck through here um, that I thought was cool was uh, in the achievement section, it's under uh, progression. Uh, under They have a thing, gain 200 total levels in an expansion rewards track. And this is actually carried over between the last rewards track that we had and the current one. So they they retrofitted this. This, this was added in today. So when you get 200 levels, you can earn a tier 2 hero skin, which you get to pick between any of these guys so you get like judgment uther fell ravager illidan you know tra uh, transcendence anduin you know like there's there's a lot of cool stuff in here um but you have to earn levels through the rewards track so um the fact that they retrofitted this i thought was really cool i'm excited i'm only you know 17 off so i'll be getting mine soon I've been I've been actually blowing through the tavern pass pretty quickly. I'm I'm level seventy five uh, as we speak right now out of the the one hundred, and we're only one one and a half months I think through the expansion, so it it went pretty quickly. 
So definite improvements to the path. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. That endorphin punch uh, a little more often. It feels good because the levels come faster. It's like do one quest, you get a level. Um, that's that's kind of the point we're at now where once once you started getting to this point during the uh, the back end of, of the last one, it's like the levels seem to drag out a little bit. I, I still got through them relatively easy. So um, the Tavern Pass, and there's a lot more gold this time around. It's a lot more acceptable than it was the first first time. They've learned. They've fixed it. They've updated. I approve. On the Overwatch topic, I'm not going to... Normally, by the way, like all of you that watch this show consistently, thank you, by the way, tell your friends. Um, you know when I like source something, I always like to not only just say what site, but typically the author uh, as well to give personal credit. Uh, this one I'm not going to source. Uh <laughs> Because it's utter clickbait. <laughs> it's 100% clickbait. Uh, in gathering news, I stumbled across the headline, Overwatch 2 reveals new PvP details. And I thought, oh, that's cool, right? Because Overwatch is a PvP game. That is their audience. They're hoping to pick up people like me by adding the PvE side to Overwatch 2. But you still need that Overwatch one pvp base to come with you and they haven't really said all that much about you know high detailed pvp stuff for overwatch 2 so uh in talking in in talkings and you know jeff kaplan left so in talking to aaron keller uh keller had this to say while talking to GameSpot, right I think for me, Overwatch 2, there were two halves to it. And I know we spent a lot of time talking about what the PvE side of the game is with our hero missions and our campaign and the progression system that drives all of it. But the other side of the game is just as important, if not more important, and that's the PvP side of the game. We have 60 million players, by the way, that's up 10 million from last year, that love that side of the game and are attached to that side of the game. We know, going forward, we have to make the best version of a team-based shooter. So to me, yes, there is the PvP, PvE side of Overwatch 2, but I'm very focused on the PvP side of the game, and I want to make that as compelling as we possibly can. And he went on to talk a little bit about making it more accessible to a wider range of players and also a little more competitive, which also talked a little bit about balance. So, great. Having said that, what are all of these wonderful new details about PvP, you ask, Indy? I will tell you. Do tell. I can't really speak to exactly what will be in there, whether this game's going to have a battle pass or not, but I, I think I can talk to our values a little bit because when we design anything at Blizzard, we like to set up the values for it, the pillars for it, and then everything kind of derives from those particular values. The values for Overwatch 2 are that we want the game to feel like it has a constant heartbeat, like there's a lot of updates to the game, and that the community knows that it's kind of our first priority moving forward. It's hard for me to say every live game's a little different. Whether the value is a live service value, I think our value is to put as much time and resources as we can into updating the live game and making it always feel new and fresh and substantial. For now... Blizzard isn't really ready you. to talk about what that'll look like, but Keller notes it won't be too far away from the post-launch support of the game as far as the support for the live service. In other words, expect plenty of news going forward. Mike, doesn't this uh, sound like Square Enix talking about Marvel's Avengers? 
I was like, well, am I wrong? Where's those? Yeah. Okay. So what the new details were, he wants it to be more accessible, but also competitive, which is of course the perfect balance. All competitive multiplayer games want to be like where, while it remains to be seen, if blizzard will strike this balance, he's not ready to commit to battle passes. Like, Headlines like that make it hard for me to gather news for the show sometimes. I'm like, ooh, cool. Wait, what? They're like politicians. They just stay as vague as possible so they don't have to commit to anything. Check this out. We haven't used the B-roll clip all show. Look at this dog. Look at this dog. This little dog. This little dog. This is a a show on Fox coming this summer. Another uh, animated show. (gasps) That dog's name is uh, Diablo. The show is called Housebroken. Uh, and he Animals. looks pretty cool. He looks pretty cool. So I told you I'd bring Diablo news to the show. Uh, <laughs> and I have succeeded in bringing that. Actually, this little dog's getting his ass sued by Blizzard. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't sue a dog. Not kidding. Not <laughs> kidding. Not even joking. Fox sought to register the name Diablo with the trademark office, presumably to market show-related merchandise, including pet foods, pet bowls, treats, jars, that type of stuff. Blizzard's attorneys have objected and seek to block Fox's application, arguing in their filing that Fox's use of the term Diablo is likely (laughs) to cause confusion or mistake or to deceive and would thus be prohibited under the federal trademark law. According to PC Games, <laughs> PC Games, uh, they uh, Ian Boudreau also goes on to say, amusingly, Blizzard's filing lists at length the critical accolades that uh, the hit series has racked up since it's first launched in 1997, as well as each piece of DLC released for Diablo, Diablo 2, and Diablo 3. The notice of opposition also mentions that Blizzard plans to release Diablo Immortal this year and carefully notes that Diablo 4 is currently under development. Of course, Fox's, Fox Media's attorneys will have a chance to respond to that filing. I, I know if I saw this dog, Indy, and you said that was Diablo, the first thing I would say is, wait, like, from the game? <laughs> we would. We would, but people watch it. First of all, I'm not a fan of Fox. I'll say that right now. I'm confused. I actually... Am I watching Diablo 4 footage? Or... Yes. Yeah, you are. Yep. But this is not confusing. It's a cute little scruffy dog. And uh, whatever. I mean, they could name it Scruffy. My cat's name is Lucifer. Like, that's after the devil. I mean, it depends on what this sued? dog bowl and dog food is going to look like. You know, if it, if it looks like this dog, then, then <laughs> that's okay. But if the dog food has devil horns on it and it's like, you know, uh, gothic kind of, you know, uh, labeling going on here, then we might have some problems. But I, I really the, like. I totally the word Diablo I'm, just means devil in Spanish. Right. Like that, nobody should have claim to a word like that. You know right. what I mean? Like, well, and I totally. I, that's where I would. I think if yep. they were actually applying that name to some sort of game aspect or element, but this is a cartoon and it's a dog. I, I usually err on the side of people trying to defend their IP in most cases, like. Even though the Elder Scrolls <laughs> suing scrolls was dumb Q back and in chat the day. Just made me laugh. And I say, hey, that's dumb, <laughs> right? 
Uh, nobody's going to confuse scrolls for the Elder Scrolls. I normally err on the side of the plaintiff in that discussion, even though I think they're, they should lose the lawsuit and it should be dismissed. I always say, you know what? You have to. You have to. The way IP protection and copyright protection law works is if you if you think something could be a threat to your IP or mistaken for your IP and you don't challenge it, when something is clearly a threat to your IP and you try to take it to court, the first thing they looked at is, how have you ever tried to defend this before? And if you haven't and you've let it go in the past on this example and this example and this example, then the, the judge uh, or the court is less likely to rule in your favor when it really matters because you've proven a track record of not actually defending your IPs. So normally, even though I think the lawsuit's dumb, I err on the side of the IP holder. This one is beyond dumb. This is absolute. First off, Diablo is the, you, you can't, it's dumb on Fox's part to try and trademark this to begin with. Go ahead and trademark the dog's image because it's custom art and slap that shit on whatever you want to sell. But you can't trademark names to begin with in most cases or book titles or things like that. I mean, Not, unless you're Disney, Mickey Mouse, right, you know, you could get away with it. Right, right. <laughs> Like you know, in most, that's why, that's in why I put most years. cases, most cases on there. I mean, uh, but this is a Disney company, this so, is so you know. dumb. This is so <laughs> dumb and such a waste of time and money. Money, yeah. I'll tell you what, though, I like the I I like the the necromancer class here. I really <laughs> is that is that the corgi? Look, they have a healer. I See, this the, is there's a healer. I'm so glad I got a 3080. I don't know if my old PC could have run this when it. Oh no, the Corgi's wearing out. a life vest. That's the healer. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> I'm changing my name next week to Diablo. Um, <laughs> and let's... the hamsters from Overwatch. <laughs> let's slide. Oh my God! Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> don't give them any ideas. In. <laughs> let's slide over and do Lorelai's. This is the last segment of each of our shows where our resident lore master, Lil Missy, goes ahead and gives us three statements, two of which 100% true, one of which has a lie in there somewhere. Could be little, could be big. It's your job to tell us where the lie is and what the lie is. And if you want to follow Missy, right there. It's on Twitter at Lil Missy, L-I-L-M-I-S-S-Y. Excuse me, hiccup, 4205. Give her a follow, and I'm sure uh, if you want all kinds of lore info, you just you just tweet at her. She responds to everything, I'm sure. Like, everything. I don't know if that's true or not. Don't quote me. I'm, I'm going to try it. Try it right now. Like, do you respond to everything? Yeah, I'm sure she responds <laughs> to all of it. Uh, on last week, did you figure out where and what was the lie? The lie was actually in Zista's statement, the second one. Players were able to raise the morale of soldiers and secular, uh, secular Mevix's plan was a success. This week, here we go. With no way to get into the House of Constructs, players sneak into a meat wagon and are carried inside. While climbing out of the wagon, players must toss corpses out to reduce the number of subjects. Except, one of the Kyrian isn't dead yet. Sent. 
Um, the Maldraxi remove Aspirant Thale's eyes, leaving him blind. He asks for help in finding others from Bastion, as well as dispatching justice on those who experimented on the Kyrian. Killing them one by one leads to meeting the other survivors, three stewards, and Sector Mevics. Players slow down the production of the constructs, collect the corpses of Kyrian, and kill as many of the enemy as possible before meeting up with the survivors before a soul barrier put up by Surgeon Stitch Flesh's assistants, Sharks the Flesh Crafter, and First Apprentice Malkrex. One of those statements has a lie in it. Could be big, could be small. In the comments below on YouTube or on readycheckradio.com, let us know which one is the lie and what the lie is. And we'll see you next week with another lore or lies from Lil Missy. Go give her a follow and tweet at her. I'm sure she like responds to everything. I'm sure. We'll be back, of course, next Tuesday with another Snowbound at 7 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss the Relic Grind on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern if you're a Final Fantasy or Square Enix fan. And Gaming Gumbo on Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern if you're just a gaming fan in general. And don't go anywhere if you're hanging out in chat right now. After this show, we'll be going live. Jason Winter will be streaming. How are you, sir? You know, I've got kind of a funny Diablo story myself. Uh-oh. Don't. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> no, no, we'll be fine. Uh, back when uh, the D20 system was a big thing, you know, Wizards of the Coast, the yeah. D&D, D20 system, there were source books for everything. I remember leaving through the Diablo source book they had for, for Diablo. If you want to run a campaign in the Diablo world, I was looking at the stats of Diablo himself. And of course, they're like, you know, all incredibly huge, including, I think he had, we noticed he had like a bluff skill of plus 40. So we thought, could Diablo just be like a used car salesman? You know, with, with that kind of bluff skill, he just get you to buy a, a really crappy car. Is that, is that his entire purpose? God. What are you playing today? <laughs> uh, I'm signing up for another tour of duty and enlisted. Going to keep a shooty shooty boom boom. Playing the You really like that. I do like that game more than I probably should. Yeah, it's stuck with you for a while. Like, you it get has. the first look, and typically, even the ones you like, after about a week or two of the first look, you're done. It's been mm -hmm. a couple weeks now, and this one's still Well, actually, shelled out for the battle, pa the battle pass. Oh, so now you feel obliged to play. Yeah, I do, kind of. <laughs> you get bonus progress, man. It's worth it. Come That's how it. they get you. That's how they yeah, get I you. <laughs> but, but I'll get it like, free for the next one, because if I get all the loot for this one, so it'll be, it'll be great. There you go. It's an investment. There you go. Well, if you want to hang out with Jason, check out Enlisted, free-to-play game. Apparently a lot of fun. Jason's enjoying it, and that says a lot, actually. Most of these things he'll abandon after I make him do the first look. <laughs> uh, hang tight. Chat will go dark for about 30 seconds so we can just relabel everything after the show. And then Jason will be right back. We'll be back next Tuesday. Until then, Indy, where can everybody find you, my friend? You guys can find me uh, streaming on Twitch, tweeting on Twitter. I also have a YouTube, Instagram, and now a TikTok. All of those at Indy Garona. It's the same name everywhere. Come stalk me. Indy replies to everything. Like I do. True. I don't know if that's true or not, but just tweet at her. I I'm try sure to. Reply. I'm sure she'll reply. I try to. Zista. Whoa. Holy you, hell. You, you, can, you can find me down below. Oh, dude. Zista. That's that new Fox show. I can't wait yeah. to see that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he's housebroken. Yeah. <laughs> what a cute dog. You want to sell me a car? <laughs> what a cute dog. I love him. I would buy a pet bowl with that dog on it. Mm -hmm. Sister, Absolutely. where can everybody find you, you maniac? 
you can find me down below and on Twitter at it's Zista or on Twitch at just Zista XIZTA. I'm Mike Byrne. You can follow me personally right there at MagicMan1. But more importantly, follow at RC Radio, R-A-I-D-E-O, so we can tweet at you every time we're going live with one of our three podcasts or anytime one of the wonderful volunteers behind the scenes goes live with a stream. Until next time, gang, thanks for hanging out. Stay safe. We'll see you on the servers. Maybe I have to buy a new dog before the next podcast.